Voluntary Contributions Putting Families Under Pressure Article by Suzanne Pender Concerns that schools relying on voluntary contributions from families to fund the basic necessities and the considerable financial strain it can cause has been expressed as thousands of County Carlow children return to school. Sinn Féin is calling on families to get in touch and share their experiences about how those costs are affecting them. Year-on-year, families are being crippled by requests for contributions of very often well over €100 or €200 per child, and even as much as €300 to €400 in some cases, said local deputy Kathleen Funchen. These are huge sums for families to be expected to pull together in a matter of weeks and put serious strain on family finances. We know that in reality these contributions are voluntary in name only. In some instances, students and families can be denied certain services and extracurricular activities, and they can face stigma, she said. The St. Vincent de Paul charity has warned that they are receiving hundreds of phone calls from parents every day who are anxious about these expensive costs. This is unacceptable and must change. This is happening because the government doesn't fund our schools properly and they are forced to seek these contributions, said Deputy Function. It shouldn't have to be this way. Schools shouldn't be so underfunded that they have to seek contributions and fundraise for basic things like keeping the lights and heating on. Sinn Féin wants to bring an end to the need for voluntary contributions, she added. Sinn Féin wants to hear families' experiences with voluntary contributions. How much have you been asked for this year? Or more generally, what are your family's experiences of back-to-school costs? Our spokesperson on education, Donegal Lera, TD, wants to hear about your experience and what needs to change. Get in touch with him at donegal.olera at oir.ie or on social media and tell us your story about the real costs of the return to school, concluded Deputy Function. Upgrade of Water Services at Carlow Town Estates Article by Elizabeth Lee Irish Water, working in partnership with Carlow County Council, is beginning works to replace problematic backyard service water mains at JKL and O'Hanrahan Avenue in Carlow Town to improve the security of the water supply for local residents. These backyard service water mains works are being carried out as part of Irish Water's National Leakage Reduction Programme. This is a programme underway to provide the community with a more reliable water supply, remove old damaged pipes from the water network, improve water quality and reduce leakage. Joe Carroll from Irish Water said, The repairs are being conducted as quickly and efficiently as possible to minimise disruption to the area and to ensure customer supply is as safe and reliable as possible. We appreciate the cooperation and patience as we work to improve water supply to homes and businesses as quickly as possible. The company's customer care team is available to help 24-7 on 1-800-278-278 and customers can also contact them on Twitter, at IWCare, with any queries. For further updates, see the Irish Water website, www.water.ie. Dementia, more than just memory loss. 
September is World Alzheimer's Month, and the Nationalist, in partnership with the HSE's Dementia Understand Together campaign, is featuring a series of articles on the disease. With an estimated 735 people living with dementia in Carlo, this week we focus on some common types of dementia. Article by Professor Irisima Leroy Most people understand dementia as a progressive condition in older people that affects a person's memory. Often, clinics where dementia is diagnosed are called memory clinics, and people typically get referred when they experience forgetfulness, get lost in a familiar place, have difficulty recognising faces, or forget the names for things. However, the syndrome of dementia can present in many ways, with memory function being spared in the early stages. In such situations, people often don't realise that they have a condition that may lead to dementia, leaving them without the correct diagnosis, support and care. Many different diseases or brain conditions can lead to dementia in the same way that heart failure can result from several different heart conditions. So too can brain failure or dementia result from a variety of different brain diseases. These generally fall into the category of neurodegenerative disorders or diseases in which brain cells become damaged and die. These diseases are usually progressive. Alzheimer's disease. Nearly 60% of dementias will be caused by Alzheimer's disease, which particularly affects areas of the brain involved with memory. Thus, in typical Alzheimer's, forgetfulness and memory complaints are the main concern in the beginning. Over time, more areas of the brain become damaged, eventually leading to problems with other aspects of thinking, such as recognising people, paying attention and making decisions. Often due to the brain damage involved, other problems arise, such as anxiety and hallucinations or personality change. Although less common, a typical Alzheimer's disease can present with personality change or mobility difficulties before memory problems. In rare cases, a person may have difficulties interpreting the visual world around them. Even though their eyes and visual systems are working well, the brain has trouble understanding and recognising what they are seeing. In some cases, people may experience difficulties with language. These symptoms are more often seen in people under 55 years of age with young-onset dementia. Other Dementias In Lewy body dementia, named after Lewy proteins in the brain, a person may first experience difficulties with vivid dreams, loss of their ability to smell, and visual hallucinations. Episodes of confusion and disorientation may occur, and Parkinson's-like movement problems may arise. Memory problems occur much later during the condition as more brain areas become involved. Frontotemporal dementia is another type of dementia and is an umbrella term that includes many diseases. It is caused by different protein abnormalities in the brain that affects the frontal and temporal lobes of the brain. It most often occurs in younger people between the ages of 50 and 70 years. In behavioural variant frontotemporal dementia, Personality changes are often the first symptoms and may not be recognised as a condition leading to dementia. People with this condition may act impulsively, say inappropriate things, prefer eating sweets or limited food types, and develop rigid daily routines. 
This may be accompanied by loss of motivation or apathy, which may be inappropriately interpreted as laziness. With primary progressive aphasia frontotemporal dementia, language problems may arise as the first symptoms. People may find themselves using incorrect grammar, not recognizing words or being unable to find the appropriate word, or they may have difficulty speaking. Around 10% of people with frontotemporal dementia may develop weakness in the muscles controlling the limbs and speech, swallowing and breathing. All of these different types of dementia may run in families, but can also occur out of the blue in people with no family history of such conditions. In frontotemporal dementia, about one-third of those affected will have a family history, while in Alzheimer's disease, even fewer may have a clear family history. Taking action. An accurate diagnosis is key to getting the right support for those with dementia and their families. If you're worried about dementia, your GP can arrange an assessment at a specialist service. This may be near you, or you may have to travel a distance, particularly if you have mainly non-memory symptoms or are younger, as you may need to be seen at a regional rather than a local clinic. This will involve a physical exam, cognitive tests, blood tests and brain scans. While there is no cure, symptoms due to Alzheimer's disease or Lewy body dementia may respond to certain medications. The most important thing is to arm oneself with the necessary information to enable everyone involved to make decisions about the future. The Dementia Understand Together campaign is led by the HSE in partnership with the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, Age Friendly Ireland, Age and Opportunity and the Dementia Service Information and Development Centre. It aims to create communities that actively embrace and include those living with dementia and their families. For information on supports and resources including a local service finder for people with dementia and their carers, visit www.understandtogether.ie or contact the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland helpline for support on free phone 1800 341 341 Monday to Friday 10am to 5pm Saturday 10am to 4pm For specific information on Lewy body dementia email lewybodyireland at info at lewybodyireland.org Erisima Leroy is an Associate Professor of Geriatric Psychiatry at Trinity College Dublin and a Director of Louis Body Ireland. Godfrey's Gospel According to Michael Godfrey Leave Leo alone. Criticism is nonsensical. It's hard to believe, but once upon a time there was a great programme on the BBC called Top of the Pops. When it came to the latest chart hits, This was the show to appear on. In fact, strange as it may seem today, I can remember a time when an Irish band appearing on Top of the Pops warranted a mention on the RTE News. Yes, can you believe it? Anyone who knows music would figure that the Fury Brothers and Davy Arthur were not a pop band, because they weren't. They were a folk band. But such was the success of When You Were Sweet Sixteen, which eventually peaked at number 14 in the UK charts in 1981, they were given a slot on the show. Finbar Fury told a great story on TV one night about that appearance. When they were in their dressing room before the show, 
baby-faced boy bands were taking a sly peek at them, wondering why these bearded older guys were on the show, only for their manager, who was an imposing man himself, to stand in the corridor and roar at the height of his voice, Don't f*** with the Irish. Where's all this going, you might ask? Well, we seem to have mastered that art all on our own, and sadly don't need any help from anyone. With that in mind, I reference all the nonsense at the weekend that Tanishta Leo Varadkar had questions to answer about why he chose to attend an open-air festival in England on the same weekend the electric picnic was cancelled. Come on, who in their right mind would think that statement even deserves an answer? Here is a man who happens to be in a different country, on time off, who decides to go to a festival. Why would he even think he needs to get permission from the Irish public to do so? And don't use that dreadful phrase, sending out the wrong signals or wrong optics. We all know that musicians and performers in general have had a dreadful time over the last 18 months. Yes, it is difficult to understand how 40,000 people could attend a GAA match, while others could not go to a much smaller event simply because there was going to be live music. But that does not give the right to anyone to tell another person, namely our Tanishta, what he should do while in another country on time off. Naturally, not everyone will agree with me. Great, that is democracy at work. But I'm fed up with all this talk about questions to be answered, when all that really tells me is some politicians are looking to score points against their opponents. As we hopefully approach the end of this pandemic, life is slowly returning to normal. Live events are beginning to get the nod of approval, and hopefully it won't be too long before we have a full calendar of events to choose from. There will be no making up for the lost income musicians, actors, and those in the entertainment business have suffered, but the same applies for an awful lot of other people who also found life very, very difficult over the past year and a half. I hear now there is talk about an investigation into the whole handling of the pandemic where more questions need to be answered. Hindsight is a great thing, but it doesn't really exist. All you can do is your best at the time. Mistakes will be made and it is important to recognise when they happen and try to make sure we are better prepared in the future. But looking for questions to be answered because someone attended a one-day festival in another country is taking matters to the ridiculous. By the way, it was Leash County Council which refused planning for electric picnic, not the Taunishta. Time to think with Father Paddy Byrne. Climate crisis, a concern for all of us. May you live in interesting times, it's said is a translation of a traditional Chinese curse. Sometimes, like the present, we discover we could do with less interesting times. Apart from the usual everyday litany of life's problems in the modern world, a still-raging pandemic is an ongoing reminder of living through an ever-enduring crisis. Covid has so dominated our lives for over a year and a half that every other problem has been effortlessly pushed into the background. But this summer, a mountain of irrefutable evidence worldwide has conspired to bring climate change to the centre of stage again transforming it from an arcane interest of a few extremists to the growing perception that time is running out for planet Earth. The evidence is incontrovertible. Far-flung forest fires in California and Turkey, 
flooding in China and Germany, record temperature rises in Italy and Spain, warming seas dangerously consuming the polar ice caps, and a series of other environmental catastrophes around the world. All of this suddenly happening within a few summer months has focused our minds on an inescapable conclusion. Our planet is on fire. Compounding this reality is the timely report last week from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC. The stark conclusion is that our planet is in measurable trouble. It's our own fault, and unless we change our approach, disaster looms. The damage can be reversed, of course, and great progress in terms of accessing and harnessing alternative sources of energy has already been made. But going the final mile will be both difficult and expensive. Difficult choices face our planet. One is that countries, an obvious example is China, successfully transforming their economies by driving industrialization and dragging their citizens out of poverty, are filling the atmosphere with carbon emission from coal-fired energy, which are damaging to the environment. The IPCC has specified in mathematical terms the price being paid in terms of rising sea levels resulting from a refusal to change direction. While the levels may seem mathematically minuscule, the overall result will be devastating unless difficult choices are made now. A recent Irish Times graphic gave a vivid representation of the major inevitable and irreversible climate changes that are going to take place unless a reversal in present policies takes place within a limited period of time. It showed what the predictable rises in sea levels would mean for those living in Ireland's most highly populated areas, from Drogheda to Bray. For anyone living there, or with family living there, it was a stark reminder of the high stakes involved. The next summit on climate change to be held in Scotland in November may serve to focus minds on the need for action. The word is that Pope Francis will attend, an indication of the seriousness with which he views the issue, a seriousness already demonstrated in his letter Laudato Si, issued six years ago, one of the most impressive papal documents in living memory. Francis had hardly found his feet in Rome when he assembled a number of worldwide authorities in climate change, including Father Sean McDonough, to help him research his now famous encyclical. One of Francis' reasons for writing Laudato Si was to inspire Catholic parishes to help raise consciousness of the impending crisis for humanity unless there was a clear and committed change in industrial policies. Francis understood two things. One was that it was going to be difficult to convince mass populations of the need to make sacrifices that would involve a lessening of their incomes. A second was that a necessary building block for action was a process of conscientization, making people more and more aware of the deadly implications of climate inaction. His great hope was that Laudato Si would not be just a clarion call for change, but an opportunity for parishes to start the conscientization process by encouraging local projects that would engage the support of the people. Unfortunately, apart from a few prophetically inspired initiatives that didn't materialise, even though, ironically, it's probably the only issue in today's world that engages the interest of the younger generation, now noted in religious terms for their almost universal disconnection from the church. 
Francis realised, too, that there would be voices raised suggesting that climate worries were not based on scientific data or were being exaggerated, and that a counteraction was needed to address the climate change deniers, including some religious voices. Just as pandemic deniers, including to our shame some religious voices, tried to underplay the seriousness of Covid, despite the irrefutable evidence before their eyes, climate change deniers are already lining up to argue against the evidence, not just of climate scientists, but of their own eyes. We are all part of the solution and problem regarding our climate crisis. The little steps we all take can lead to a collective and positive response to a brighter future. The universe unfolds in God who fills it completely. Hence, there is a mystical meaning to be found in a leaf, in a mountain trail, in a dewdrop, in a poor person's face. The ideal is not only to pass from the exterior to the interior, to discover the action of God in the soul, but also to discover God in all things. Laudato Si, paragraph 233.